The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I invite you to listen to my show. I'm Sharon Kleina. This is an international radio talk show syndicated with Voice America, World Talk Radio, Green Talk Radio, Apple iTunes, and now CBS Radio listeners. It's an international radio talk show about the power of water, Earth's human mission. If you want to come to the SharonKleinaHour.com and learn about all the shows and the wonderful guests that we've had for over three and a half years, people from the United Nations and park systems throughout the United States, people from Holland and Thailand and UK and around the world, you will learn so much about your environment. But the most important part of your environment every day is your participation in how you can personally listen and save lives. This is the only radio talk show dedicated to life-threatening water wars. Let's learn more. What has been causing the problems in Yemen, Pakistan, Afghanistan for so long? Even Iraq. Could it be water wars that started it way back in time? It's possible. Because we've been told through reports, they take away the water around different villages, from different villages and upstream around, and and, and it causes a lot of conflict and anger. People need to move to other areas because there's no water. The global water and health crisis is getting inter. We're getting interviews from all over with research leaders and health leaders and environmental leaders from all over the world. This show is attracting some of the most exciting new news reporting you'll ever hear. Your participation will save a life because you're going to learn why aren't they concentrating in the environment with water first. Without the water, there is no earth. And for some reason, this planet has the water, and they haven't found any water anywhere else. So come and listen and let's see if we can save lives. Today our guests are so special. Our show is because of special guests. We have Carol Daniels from San Francisco, California. She's a film and video writer, writer, producer, director. And she has been doing uh, points of view on what has happening with water baby birth, having a baby born in water. That one is going to be exciting. Our second guest is Charlie Plyborn. He's from South Beach, Oregon, and he's a marine biologist. We're going to learn a lot about what he can teach us about what the ocean and the marine, uh, the waters out there, and maybe some wetlands, the influence of that, and what he has learned that he could teach us how important it is with the water. Now, something about, before we talk to our guests, I want you to think about the National Geographic. 
National Geographic had an issue called water. And in that issue, it says Americans use about 100 gallons of water at home each day. Millions of the world's poorest subsist on fewer than five gallons a day. They exist only on five gallons a day, the poorest people. 46% of people on Earth do not have water pipe to their home. 46%. Women in developing countries walk an average of 3.7 miles to get water a day. In 15 years, 1.8 billion people will live in regions severe with water, that they won't have any water or end sanitation. So I always remember. Now, the, the thing that we're going to learn today from Carol is something that is fascinating to me in my research for 30 years. Listen, the moment you were born, you left the pocket of water, and you came to the earth to live without the water around you. The only water you have is the fluid, the moisture, and the air, whatever there might be. I learned in my research the indoor conditions are a pit. There is none. When you have forced air, heating and cooling, insulated windows and walls, and all the chemistry and all the fabrics and all the paints and on your clothing and your bedding, it's a dehydration. Dehydration begins from the moment you were born until the day you pass on. Think about that, how important. Now, men are 60 to 75% water. Women are 55 to 65% water. A newborn baby is 75% water. People who are overweight, 45% water. Lean muscle, 75% water. Your brain is 80% water. Tears on your eyes at the surface, the clear tear film, the tears are, believe it or not, 98% all natural water. And you're putting an eye drop on them? Stop and think about nature's tears I missed for that supplement. Skin is 80, 68, pardon me, skin is 68% water. Blood is 70% water. Body fat is 10% water. Your bone is 22% water. Body fluid, 75 to 98% water. Depends upon the dehydration process of individuality. Did you know that when you were born, no two eyes are alike? Dehydrating is same. Your skin on the complexion, no two alike. No two fingerprints alike. So the dehydration of the water in the cells is two-thirds of the total body water outside the cells. Did you go follow me? Water in cells. Two-thirds of total body water. Water outside of cells are one-third total body water. Cells in an adult human are 50 trillion cells. What am I concerned about? About water? You have to have water to be healthy. You must be drinking at least 8 to 10 glasses of water in a 24-hour period. Not tea, not coffee, not juice, water, and safe water. So come and listen. Save a life. And if you really want to be environmental, you must be using the mist. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and we'll be back with our guest, Carol. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. 
When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Carol, are you with us? Yes, I am. Well, I want to thank you for joining us. And how long have you been in the film and video work and as a producer? I have been doing this kind of work for most of my adult life, and I work in a variety of different aspects of the process. So initially, I usually get the concept of what I want to do, or it um, is something that results from uh, meeting someone or learning something and uh, becoming interested and aware that that's important, and then I decide, okay, I'm going to make a film about that, and then I do the research, and then I write an outline, and then I um, generate... Where do your films, um, you go to uh, health organizations and and, uh, lease out or rent out your films of education so they begin to get the education you're providing? Well, health organizations are are one aspect of the distribution, but there's also um, festivals and... Mm -hmm. um, Libraries. Okay. Uh, it's a variety. There's probably online now too. Pardon me. On the internet too. On the internet, definitely. Yes. May I let people know the internet site for this information about water birth? There's a lot of really helpful information. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we're here today. Um, you probably heard my 30 years of study uh, in water and the planet and human life. I don't care if it's the blade of grass depends upon water. I'm so glad you pointed that out. That's so important for people to understand the the connection between um, water being just one of, probably the most essential element uh, in in the universe for us as humans. Yes. A lot of times somebody will say, Carol, air and water. I said, no, no, no. Without water in the air, the fluid you can't see that water that's there to keep you alive, the, all organisms in the earth are let alive, there would be no planet. Mm-hmm. So water in the air, water is the most important part of your life. If there's no water on the surface, there's no oxygen to breathe. And this is a really important um, concept for people to get because once they understand um, how integral water is to all aspects of our life, then it starts making sense to them about being born into water. Because when in your introduction, you said the baby comes from uh, water. That's the amniotic fluid inside the sac. So the baby inside the mother's body is suspended in this fluid that cushions it, supports it, keeps it warm, and then the baby comes 
through the birth canal and into a very um, alien environment for the for the fetus. Well, Carol, what I've said to many of our doctors and scientists we've had on the show, I said, can you imagine? A lot of us have thought in the past that when the baby comes to birth, they're in that delivery room and it cries. It's crying because the doctor uh, patted it on its derriere. I'm going to say it was so in a drama, all of a sudden you just said it. There's no nourishing. It is open to the world. It's almost like, what did you take off of me? I'm li- Where is this at? Where is this world at? And it's a shock. It's a shock. And the biggest shock that they're not studying, and this show is going to get this out there, people like yourself and all of us that have been on the show are bringing a new education, a new thinking to research. Dehydration from the moment you're born has not been studied. They've got to study it from birth to the moment of what? Because no two eyes are alike, no two complexions of skin are alike, no two fingerprints. And Carol, what you've said about birth, water birth, is so important for people to learn about how we're, we're made up of water. We came from water. So when Did you, you know, have, Carol, um, that the, we're ne- the blade of grass would not even grow if there wasn't water to of nourish course. it? Of course. So there's many different aspects to the, be- the benefits of water, and I'd like to point out just a couple of them. So to the baby, it's very obvious because the baby, water is such a nurturing substance, and the, the, the liquid inside the mother's body, um, when, when the baby is deprived of it through a dry birth, then uh, there's this shock and there's discomfort. But when the baby goes from the mother's womb in the water through the birth canal into another body of water, only larger, like the birthing tub or pool, then that's familiar. Ah, how exciting. And and as a result of it being familiar, the babies are not shocked or traumatized. Now, Carol, how long have they been doing the water birth? Uh, Water birth started in Russia in the 60s. And in the United States, it uh, began in the mid '80s, early early '80s, early '80s, and in in France it happened. It began several years earlier in the '70s. So when I did my film, I actually went to Russia to film with the world's top water birth pioneer Igor mm-hmm. Tcharkovsky, mm-hmm. who researched all of this, and then I went to France to film with the medical doctor in a hospital who was the first doctor in the world to initiate water birth in a hospital setting. And then, of course, I filmed in the United States with uh, medical doctors here, and one of whom had a uh, birth center specifically uh, created to provide water birth when no one else was doing it. Now, it's years later, and there are many hospitals, birth centers, uh, doctors, midwives, uh, birth attendants of various types that provide water birth services either in a hospital, in a birth center, or in a home birth. Now, I'm going to bring up something while you and I, and I will interrupt once in a while, to bring out something for the audience to think about and learn from this education class that we're giving with your special guests. You guests make this show the worldwide show it's becoming. Um, you know, can you imagine what we were talking about right now about the how important that mother's water is when the baby is conceived and, and, and the organs are growing in that water bag? 
can you imagine how important it is that the mother drink water oh, yeah, of and not experiment with drugs, not be smoking? Because there's dehydration. Absolutely. Absolutely. These drugs, people, I need the audience to hear something. Well, let me just point out one thing, Karen. There's a lot of people who are actually looking at this sort of thing and saying, preconception. These are the smartest people. They're saying, okay, I'm now going to plan to have a baby. I want to clear my system. I want to purify my body. I want to get ready for the process of uh, growing a baby. And not only am I not going to smoke or drink or do drugs, but I'm going to eat optimal food or organic food. I'm going to pay attention to all aspects of optimal health so that I can get strong as a uh, a, a woman who's about to conceive and then offer the baby the best possible chance for the best possible health. And that's a new concept that people are starting to talk about, preconception preparation. Proactiveness. Proactive, absolutely, yeah. And those are the, um, the women who are, have the, uh, the best outcomes when they're really planning and thinking ahead rather than someone who just sort of accepts, okay, something's happening to my body and it's just it's a natural process. I'll just let it happen without even thinking or well, learning. Well, you know, I always it. enjoy because I don't look the part, but I am as nature as they've come, Carrie. I've, uh, uh, I have swung on the grapevines and swam through the edge of the rapids and had my enjoyment in life and nature. I love nature. Mm-hmm. But the people have to realize nature doesn't mean that you have to live down in the soil. Uh, and forget about what nature is all about uh, for lo- for life. And what I was going to point out is something for education here today, too, and we'll go real quickly with it, is that when we are experimenting with different drugs and cigarette smoking and so on, that dehydrates us. Those dehydrators are what causes the high. That's what causes the enjoyment of the of the sensational anxiety, da-da, the changes. Heat, it heats up the body, which causes a dehydration in those cells. And that's something we have to learn, that when you're born and you came from water and you entered in the dry world of moving forward into the life, that you have to realize why the de- you're, you're dehydrating. Now, tell me about your, this is, a, I'm really learning a lot about water birth now. How common is water birth today? Have you found that out? It has has become more and more common. When I did this film, I filmed the sixth, six, number six, the sixth American water birth. Now, that was extremely uncommon, of course, but that that was years ago. And it has, because people were, it was uncommon unfamiliar to people, especially to hospitals and doctors, they were not comfortable with it. But as more and more women looked at this, I mean, you can see on the film how gentle and how Uh, easy it is for the mothers and the babies. Because when the babies come out, they don't cry and scream. They have this very, oh, "Oh, wow, look on their faces. They just have... and they smile, and so they're not traumatized. And the mothers have a very easy birth. They go, you know, a couple of grunts and pushes, and then it's over. It's fast mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. So I've got to mention something to you. Did you know that, and I have, I've been in research for over 30 years, so it's something I haven't really gotten into enough. But when I've had uh, organizations on here on, uh, the mother feeding the baby her own milk or the formula, whatever it may be, but no water. In other words, uh, there's enough water in the nature of the mother's milk or the formula 
that had given uh, the baby water. And I've said, well, why can't we think about giving the baby a bottle of water to let it sip and learn how the taste of water and not always something so sweet. Oh. That becomes another issue about whether or not uh, you want to reinforce breastfeeding. And that's a completely different topic that might you might want to do a show on, but uh, there's a lot of people who... No, no, what I'm after is the drinking water they feel that would fill the baby up and they wouldn't drink enough milk. And I'm wondering in the back of my research, when a baby comes from water and the baby's nurtured on that nutrition and it enters in the air, the air the baby t- uh, has to lead a life of concerns of making sure the baby is liking to drink water. Not you know, in, I think in, everybody certainly needs to drink more water than we do. And, and one of the problems is that soda drinking is so prevalent in this country. And, uh, and, and they the world. put soda machines in, in schools, and that's really bad, and it creates bad habits. And I think that now there's a new kind of um, uh, habit, at least in California, in Northern California. I carry around a bottle of, uh, a bottle of filtered water, not, not those... Um, environmentally challenging, you know, plastic bottles, but a a ceramic bottle that I fill with filtered tap water. And it's good for the environment. That's a good education today. The ceramic bottles are becoming more common now. Mm -hmm. Now back to, we're going to take a break with our sponsor and we'll be right back with you in a moment. But when we come back, then we are going to teach the listeners, men too, and remember we're on Apple iTunes. Apple, um, so the world the kids can listen to, is how important is it that we learn that uh, the baby is in water and then the baby's water birth, and it teaches the value of how exciting that newborn life is all about. It's coming from water to the birth in water, and how exciting you're finding that is to film. I'm sure you found it. So dramatic. Yeah. Dramatic. We're going to listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with you. And thank you for being here. Okay. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Your surface of your eyes is 98% water. Did you know that? With just a mist, you can supplement all natural, and then you'll be really environmentally conscious. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Carol. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleiner Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleiner Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. 
Carol, as we took our moment there with our sponsor, you were telling us how, and I'm reading from you on your writings here, how birth affects the rest of our life. Absolutely. Um, the starting off of a positive birth really does set the stage for the relationship dynamic in the, in the family and the way that baby looks at the world. And I wanted to make sure that we talked a little bit about the benefits of the, uh, the birth for the mother and the baby and how when that baby uh, is born gently, in, in this case we're talking about in water, um, which is the most gentle approach to birth. When that baby is born and it's not traumatized and the mother has a positive experience because she has not had horrible pain and fear. You see, the water eliminates the pain and the fear of childbirth. So when that experience is beautiful and the baby looks into the face of the mother and the mother looks into the face of the baby, that is a bonding of positive uh, and love emotion that just carries them throughout their lives and the father being involved with it, uh, they all experience that in a way that just brings them uh, forward as the family progresses in the most optimal way so that compare that with uh, a traumatic birth where the baby has had a very difficult time or was um, hurt, slapped, and when you slap a baby, you know, that, that skin is, it has never been touched, and it is ultra-super sensitive. And then a slap, which is intended to get the baby to, to breathe, and then they know the baby yeah. is, is alive, that is completely unnecessary. All you have to do to make that baby uh, breathe, if it isn't doing it on its own, it's just a little bit of a rub, a little bit of a shaking, a minor amount of uh, stimulation. And uh, midwives know this, mm -hmm. but for some reason... Now, how I does a midwife, uh, when she's the individual he or she are trained, right. um, uh, let's say you're not in a hospital delivery room, so do they have to be certified to do water birth? You know, they're... Water birth is really um, just a type of birth. It's not all that different. It's, uh, if, if you have a trained uh, birth care provider, whether it's a doctor, a nurse, a certified nurse, midwife, or a, 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 a midwife, a practicing midwife of various kinds, uh, just knowing normal birth, whatever this practitioner's alphabets are after their name, mm -hmm. if they, they can, uh, they, they, In other words, they don't have to be certified. No. Okay. They, and, and when people learn about water birth, what they basically do, these doctors, is they just observe them, and they observe some practitioner who has done them before. And they, they often go to the website waterbirthinfo.com because that has an enormous amount of information mm -hmm. from doctors, from uh, other kinds of providers. Well, you're, you've taught me today, too, and others that are listening, and we have a lot of doctors who listen to this show and physicians and science people from in research throughout the world because they're finding this all fascinating with education. We're, we're either know quite a few things or we're being reinforced with more to remind us of some of the things we need to learn. But I've said, Kara, from the moment you're born, you begin to dehydrate. 
and that the water birth is making sense because you're pull, the baby is coming from the water to water, and then you can begin to prepare more more about what to learn about the baby at that moment. And also, let me point out that a lot of these water births, what they do is the baby will come out, <coughs> and within uh, a few seconds, the attendant, and sometimes it's actually the father who will hold, receive the baby, um, with the midwife or the doctor standing there nearby, and that's really a wonderful way for the dad to become completely integrated into the birth experience. And mm-hmm. I've um, filmed one birth where the dad was the one that delivered the baby. By that, I, by delivered, I mean he actually was the first to touch the baby right. as the baby was emerging. Now, and I want to ask you before the, I forget. Just, the midwife Here. was right by his yeah. elbow, if needed, but he did it. And the uh, the joy that that couple experienced in the process of delivering mm-hmm. uh, their baby together mm-hmm. uh, was off the charts. That's it was just to amazing. Be, well, I, uh, I wanted to ask you now, so that we're, the world listening can hear, when the baby comes out of the mother, do they pick the baby up and put it in a little... What's, what does it look well, like, the water where, that, that they're going yeah. into? What does it look like? That was where I was going with this. Okay. That the dad um, receives the baby, and the mother is still in the tub. And she's just leaning back. And seconds so after the So the mother delivery, is in a tub. Yeah, the mother's in the tub. Where and what does the tub look like? There are vari- there are various kinds of styles, but it can be as simple as a, a bathtub, a, okay. a roomy bathtub, okay. or it can be a water birth tub that is specifically designed for that. Okay. And there are many different versions. But the important point is that the mother's, the baby is... We needed is, to paint this picture for our audience to understand. Sure. So the babies have just come out, is attached by the umbilical cord, and is being brought up to the mother's breast, um, while she is still in the tub, so the baby's skin is still, and, and the body is still in the water, uh, close to the mother's chest, and the head, the baby's head is out, and now the baby is breathing on its own, and only after breathing is established is there any discussion of cutting the cord, because if one were to cut the cord too quickly, and this has happened, by the way, not in water birth, but in standard birth, where they pull the baby out, and with almost one motion in a dry birth in a hospital setting, there have been cases where they pull the baby out, and they cut the umbilical cord virtually in one motion without having completely uh, established that the breathing has happened and is, is underway. Mm-hmm. So that's a very dangerous procedure because if the breathing is not already underway, then the lifeline to the baby is the umbilical cord. And if that's cut, then the baby's in trouble. So uh, the umbilical cord should only be cut when the... Well, I'm going to back up for a minute, Carol. Let's just say there could be a situation happened at that moment for the health of the baby. Uh, that was affected, not, let's get the word trouble, let's just say there could be something that needs to be studied, the health of the baby at that moment. Which moment are we talking about? Uh, From if you said that the baby was in trouble because the umbilical cord was cut before the baby really showed signs of the breath. And uh, this is where I'm saying in the delivery room is where we need to study from birth, from that moment on, our, our dehydration. 
as an individual because no two people are dehydrating the same. And uh, But now back to the birthing and water, um, what, what else can you teach us now that when the baby uh, is born and is born in the water, what moment do they finally take the baby out of that water? Well, the mother's instinct is, us- uh, is usually to, uh, she has just pushed the baby out. Uh-huh. She's taken a, a breath or to kind of realize that, okay, the baby is born now, that process is completed, okay, wow, I'm a mother now. (laughs) And then her instinct is to reach down and gather the baby to her breast, and that Uh is perfect. That is what nature wants to have happen. So as the mother... Now, you've been filming this. Have you noticed when the baby's eyes will open? How quickly they open? They opened in in the film. I filmed four water births, uh-huh. and in all of them, the babies opened their eyes very soon, like within seconds. But I don't think that they're actually uh, focusing. Oh they, no, no, that they do open their eyes. They're and, they're uh, blinking a lot. Yeah. And what they're and yeah. here's an interesting little tidbit of information. Um, babies eyeballs are intended to focus at about the distance from the baby's eye to the mother's face when the baby is being held at the breast. And that's what nature intended, is that the baby sees the mother's face. And so that's an integral part of the bonding experience. So, But I just want to point out another thing that's really important in all of this. Women use water birth in order to alleviate pain and fear of childbirth. Many of the women that I've experienced, that I've talked to, talked to about this, and I've spoken to hundreds, have said, and I quote, I'd never want to have a baby any other way, because it's so gentle and so helps them dramatically with the, with the pain. So, well, and, and I'm going to go into the research of uh, the dehydration. It's so healthy for the baby. So one of the things that the, the connections that I want to make sure that we that we make is uh, that because the mother uses the water to alleviate her pain during labor, uh, she can relax more deeply. And when she relaxes more deeply, the uh, and when she's in the water, the water on the on the perineal tissues uh, and the birth canal and her relaxation her deep relaxation because water is so helpful to us you know when you're when you're uh achy and you maybe played sports too much and you you have all these uh pains you get into a tub and you feel right. so fabulous we only have a half a moment left and okay, so i want you to know that up and i just want to let you know that um, the the response of getting into a tub makes the muscles just go yes. soft, and then the babies come easily. And that's the main benefit of water and birth for the mother. you also mentioned the water therapy. Did you know way back in time, baths were very important to detoxify, and people used it for healing. Now they want to take a quick shower, showers, rinse us. They don't detoxify us. So what you taught us today is how important uh, water birth is. And I was uh, noticing... Yes, it can relieve the mother's pain and be much healthier for the mother, but it is much healthier for the baby. Absolutely, and they both 
they both benefit, and the dads benefit by having by being present in a, exactly. a birth experience that's beautiful and uh, uh, emotionally enriching for well, everybody. Well, you know the sh- name of the show is The Power of Water, and you just taught us that today. Well, I'm so You're pleased special. to be on. Thank you. I want to thank you for being on, and you There's keep so up much that more word. to say about this. I, I wish oh, we had more time. Oh, let's do it again. Let's do it again. I'd be happy to. You have a nice day, and thank you. Thank and you. Be too. well. Bye, Carol. Did you notice today what Carol has been filming is uh, what I've been mentioning, the dehydration of the baby from birth. And I'm going to say uh, to the world, dehydration from birth has not been studied enough. From that moment on, no two eyes are alike, no two skins on the complexion are alike, no two fingerprints, and more. We have 50 trillion cells uh, uh, with molecules. It's water. So let's stop and think. Let's use some common sense and get excited about this show because we're going to learn, we're going to save some lives throughout the whole world. And we're going to know that Earth has the water. Let's take care of our water first. We're going to take a moment with our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Did you know that at the surface of your eye, when you're born and that eyelid opens, the surface of the eye, the tear film, is 98 to 99% all natural water? It is. Do you have, the only product that's out there for you to supplement is Nature's Tears Eye Mist with 100% pure, all-natural, tissue-culture-grade of water with just a fine mist. Do you want to be environmental? Mist. The eyes are thirsty, too. We're going to listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Charlie Pythbun. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Charlie, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. Well, I'm thanking you for joining us today. And you pronounce your last name Plybon? Yes, ma'am. That's correct. Okay, and you're in South Beach, Oregon. Yes, ma'am. We're both from Oregon. I'm I'm in Southern Oregon. All right. And you're uh, you've been studying marine biology, and I was very looking for I was looking forward to having you on today. Tell us why you chose to be in marine biology. Um, honestly, you know, I guess I had a connection to the ocean uh, at a very 
young age and probably like um, a lot of individuals, I had a connection to uh, the animals in the ocean as much as, as the water uh, uh-huh. and in the water itself. And, uh, so how did like you get a connection kids, so with the animals in the ocean? Did you, always, did you live in Oregon on the ocean or where, where did you come from? I actually grew up in North Carolina oh, um, okay. and spent some time on the coast uh, in North Carolina going to the beach there. Okay. Uh, with my family growing up, and then moved to Florida uh, to go to school and actually uh, invest full-time um, mm-hmm. in marine biology. Well, 97% of the Earth is the ocean, and those other 3% is fresh water. So which one is your favorite? It's going to have to be the 97%. <laughs> and then did you go, you wanted to learn uh, the life in the water there. Uh, what, what, do you, what can you teach us today? Um, well, you know, my, my primary interest was really about um, learning about the animals and actually studying the animals. I spent some time uh, in Florida doing, working for Fish and Wildlife uh, Conservation Commission and, and doing a lot of uh, just research studies on um, uh, wildlife management and fisheries management um, to help with the, the fisheries in Florida. Have you ever uh, met Philippe Gusto? Pardon? Have you ever met Philippe Gusto? Uh, I actually did meet uh, he's Cato, gone um, yeah, uh, many years ago, actually. It's been probably 10 years. Um, okay. But uh, through a camp, ironically enough. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it's a family background that they uh, concentrated on their focus concerning uh, the marine biology and the waters of the, of the uh, oceans of the world. Now, when you ha- tell us today... Uh, your project is to, to protect and restore coastal waterways and from, it says here, quality from the ridges. What does that mean to our audience? Well, um, I guess I should back up a second and, and clarify. You know, I work for, for Surfrider Foundation, and we okay. are a grassroots nonprofit okay. um, organization dedicated to the protection of ocean waves and beaches. And one of those, one of our primary initiatives is water quality and protecting water quality. Um, mm-hmm. And here in Oregon, uh, we have about 600 members. Um, we have three chapters and a couple of organizing committees um, that are, you know, ocean users, um, mm-hmm. whether they're fishermen or whether they're surfers or kayakers or just love to go to the beach. Um, they, they enjoy their time at the beach. They enjoy their time at the ocean. And, and for obvious reasons, um, they want the water to be clean um, that, mm-hmm. that they're interacting with. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, for us, one of our primary initiatives is water quality, and, and we address that in several ways. Um, one is that we, we, we test the water quality. Um, we have water quality labs. We have a program called the Blue Water Task Force, mm-hmm. um, which we engage citizens and volunteers uh, in sampling. Um, so it's sort of a, a, a citizen watchdog program for monitoring water quality, and we have labs mm-hmm. up and down the coast. Now, is this only in Oregon, or you have it across the United States? In fact, we have it all over the world. We are a all global organization. Um, okay. We have over 80,000 members. So we do have, uh, or 60,000 members, I apologize. So um, did you send somebody down? Uh, I would be very, uh, um, I wouldn't be very proactive if I didn't ask you this. Uh, did you send anybody to represent you to the Gulf Coast when they had the oil spill? Uh, we did send somebody from our national office, but mm-hmm. um, as I mentioned, we are grassroots, so we have people there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have members and activists and volunteers there. Um, and typically what we're testing for in water quality is we're looking at bacteria because that's what makes people mm-hmm. sick. But our, our folks in the Gulf have really shifted 
their focus now um, and are actually testing for the dispersants um, in the water because that's one thing that um, has, is not being tested currently on the beaches. And so that's something that they have a lot of concern about. Um, now, I'm not sure if you're aware of, of what the dispersants are and what they do. Well, teach um, us that today. Pardon? Teach us what that means. Um, the dispersants, um, it's, it's essentially um, a, a chemical reaction that, you know, they use a chemical um, that they put into the water um, that helps break down the oil. Um, and so the idea is that before the oil uh, makes it to shore, um, that they uh, treat the oil in the water uh, with another chemical that helps sort of um, break that oil apart um, mm -hmm. so that it, 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 it um, degrades easier or disperses easier in the environment. Mm -hmm. um, and, so, you know, there's, there's good reasons for using these things, and there's also um, a lot of hesitation um, by a lot of folks because uh, of some of the persistent um, chemicals um, that exist within the dispersants and the sort of unknown health effects of those as right. well. Well, my concern, too, has been, Charlene, until your group um, is the wetlands also in those, the, uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Texas, Florida, those regions all have wetlands. And nature has a wetlands for purposes of nature. And they're very much going to be affected because there was no proactivity. I'm a believer of being proactive, uh, preparing for the worst, even though it wouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that oil spill happened, those states wanted to be proactive, and they weren't allowed to be. Yeah. And that concerns me. Uh, not being pro proactive about how to be concerning of what might be and be flexible. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm personally worried about the wetlands and the damages to that future of that um, nature's process. And uh, people don't understand how important the wetlands are to those regions and our, and our whole continent. Um, but anyway, back to uh, what you have been learning. Oh, you know, I want to ask you real quickly, when some of the proactiveness, different countries of the world, Charlie had gotten a hold of our country and said, please, I'd like to help you. We've had situations. Uh, the one that most fascinated me is throwing hay on the oil, and they were showing an example how on the, the ocean water, you, or any water, but they could put the hay on top of the oil and then pick that hay up, and the water it it picked up the oil. Did you see that demonstration? Yeah, they, um, you know, there's a lot of methods for uh, trying to get oil out of the water. Um, none of them good, uh, I guess I would. Well, is it possible, it. Charlie, to use a lot of them, not just one? In other words, the closest to the oil spill where it was happening, maybe one, let's just say the hay, closest to that, because it wasn't spread out yet. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden you go to the next phase, and then that's another one. And then all the way to the shore, there could be even four or five different methods. Uh, depends on how far it spreads out and how your your path of of proactiveness. But you know better than I. Uh, uh, do you do you believe uh, uh, that there was anything they could do to f proactively? What is your opinion? And 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 remember, I'm just going to say this is just a this is just a classroom of a, of, of 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 talking. Uh, about what might be and what might have been or what would be for the future. What is your p thinking on what might have been? I mean, the oil spill happened, an accident happened. There was an accident that happened. It happens uh, with airplanes. It happens with everything in life. Accidents happen. 
now. And even if, they're, uh, even if they have all the regulators standing right there, there could be an accident. But what, what would you could, uh, teach the audience might have been thought out here? Well, I think there's, there's several ways, and I think our, our federal government is actually trying to look at this and, and struggling a lot um, with this idea of uh, uh, whose responsibility is it to be um, proactive and, and what are the proactive measures that you have in place. Um, I think ideally what we need here is we need our, we need our government um, to have the expertise um, and not have, rely on the industry. Uh, and that's what we've learned from this, this uh, tragedy. Well, you know, uh, you just mentioned something, Charlie. Um, uh, Governor Palin was interviewed, and it was really a fascinating interview. Um, somebody said to her uh, at one point, now, Governor Palin, you have had a lot more than any governor in the United States. You've had more experience at dealing with energy and and fresh water because of between the ocean, between Russia and, and Alaska is the largest fresh body of water in the world. Then you've had your oil and uh, all the uh, things that Alaska does, all the, uh, the resources that Alaska has. What does Alaska do? And she said, well, what Alaska does is when you have anything going on that is uh, affecting or could affect or, or part of you that is your state, your resource, you have a regulator on duty 24 hours a day right there. They're never not on duty. And that kind of fascinated me because that they didn't have that there. Uh, there was nobody on duty, and I guess one of the, um, the reports, and you know how all reports can just be whatever, uh, one of the reports that sounded pretty solid is that they had not had anybody right there and that they would send in a piece of paper, have them check something, and then send the paper back, and somebody would sign it. But you're right, Charlie. There has got to be a relationship between the enterprise, the company, whatever it may be, and then a government resource a person who's a regulator who one person has one thing on their mind, the other person has the other thing on their mind, and they work together as a team. They're mm -hmm. not working against each other. They're working together. Um, you're right about that, about, about the fact that there need, need to be more checks, check and balances. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of check and balances. Um, and, and one of the problems is that when we're working inside of really large industry like this, um, the amount of capital uh, that's involved and, and the amount of lobbying that's involved, you, you end up in a situation where um, a highly typically regulated in industry uh, is, is self-regulating because they have all the capital investment uh, in the research, in the cleanup, uh, the emergency response. Um, and, and that capital should be directed to, in, in my opinion, into a cooperative third party. Um, and, and I think that's, that's one of the, you know, the biggest problems that we're... Well, we're you just said about. what I... We were talking here earlier, and I bet your goal has been, um, your group, is to have a team effort. What happened to... You know, when we watch here in America, Charlie, at the Super Bowl, and here comes the two teams they are going to play, it, does it the team who's always the favorite? It's obviously the team that plays together. They're all playing together on the team. If you watch the Holland and Spain, Spain's soccer team recently, 
what a team effort on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Good team t- together. And we have to realize that your background, my background, uh, I don't care if you're the farmer growing the, the groceries to the medical field, it's a team effort for life on earth to be together. And you can't go struggling at who's going to be tugging and pulling and who has the most amount of money. It should be the team effort. Our forefathers built our world this way and, uh, as a team. We have one moment left, is all. Would you like to leave a message with our audience? Uh, you know, I just in- encourage folks, if you have concerns or, or interest in getting involved um, uh, with the effort in the Gulf, um, there's lots of ways that you could... Um, uh, support the effort without actually being there. Um, if you go to www.nottheanswer.org, um, you'll find ways that you can contribute um, and also um, be more involved with, uh, hopefully, um, being more prepared uh, so that nothing... And in yours uh, is uh, www.surfrider.org, Oregon. Correct. Well, I'm sorry I'm out of time. I want to thank you for your joining us today. I always call this a classroom, and we did learn a lot. All right. Thank you very much. Ha- have a nice day and tell everyone I said hello. Will do. Be well. Bye. Very fascinating. Now, you can be born in the water because you come from water, and we've learned that the world is water. It's a power of the water. We go over to learn about marine biology, and the ocean is 90 water. Did you know that there's 97% ocean water and 3% fresh water, but only 1% of the fresh water we can use? Now, somebody mentioned something to me that if you had an oil spill and you had a desalination plant of of turning the ocean into fresh water, what would have happened to uh, all those communities and their fresh water? So there's, there's something to think about, about the proactiveness of what we need to learn. And uh, we need the energy. We need the oil. We need many things to, for, for our planet to move on. If you got to the airport and you sa- they said the rationing of oil is done today, you have to leave. If you got to the gas station, rationing of oil today is gone and you have to leave. You won't want to do that. You won't do it. You won't do it with your power and you won't do it with your shower. But I want to tell you that Earth does have a secret. Because if you embrace your life, every precious moment, you will learn we're all together. We're a team from planet, from all over. But Earth is whispering, don't say goodbye. Because this way you're leaving a footprint to do something wonderful for somebody else and be part of a team. We're going to do this together. I want to thank you for listening. You be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.